name is Miali, and I will be reading from Luke 15, verse 1 to 7, and Luke 19, verse 10. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Awesome. It's great to be here with all you kids and adults this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Malcolm Billing, and I've been uh, coming to Upper Room for about uh, five years now. Um, and uh, if you talk to most of the people who know me and sort of would call me friends, they'd probably say that I'm a very organized person. In fact, they'd probably say too organized if such a thing is possible. Um, and and while I would hope that being organized would mean I wouldn't lose stuff, the reality is that isn't true. Um, and whether that's the mysterious sock monster that eats the socks on the way from the dryer, or um, my car keys somehow magically disappearing, or my phone, or the combination to the lock for my bicycle, or whatever, um, I end up losing stuff, and I end up having that mad scramble around the house, sort of looking in drawers, and underneath my dresser, um, and through the cushions, trying to find stuff. Um, and kids, have any of you guys lost anything? Yes? What did you guys lose? Yell it out for me. Lego, yeah, yeah, Lego. That's frustrating. What else did you guys lose? Toys, yeah, toys. I used to always lose toys when I was a kid. Um, I'm going to keep talking. Can you guys in the back hear me if I keep going? Yeah, okay, good. I have a loud enough voice, people say. When you guys lost the toys and the Lego, how did you guys feel? How did that feel? Bad? Terrible. Disappointed, yeah, yeah. Upset? Frustrated, yeah, totally. That's all the things that I experience when I lose things. Um, and I, I was thinking about stuff, and I was realizing, sort of, if I think over the last couple of years, there's one thing that I lost that was probably more upsetting, made me more sad, more, more frustrated than anything else, and that was when I lost um, a watch that my wife Lori had given me. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And it, it gets worse. Not only was it an expensive watch and a gift from someone who's really important to me, but when I was a kid, I actually had a habit of losing watches. <laughs> Every six months I'd lose a watch. Like it felt like so often, it actually reached the point where my parents stopped buying me new watches because I'd lose them. <laughs> and so this wasn't just one of those, okay, let me look under the one pillow. This was, let me ransack the house. Let me, let me look in that drawer, not one time, not two times, but maybe the third time that I look in the drawer, it'll somehow magically be there, right? And this is, this is the experience I think we all have, right? The more we care about something, the more precious it is, 
the more valuable it is, the longer we're going to look for it, the more upset we're going to be. And so I would suggest to you that how we react to losing something actually tells us how much it matters to us. Right? Is it that something that you say, oh well, or is it that thing that we spend hours looking for that we're totally panicked? And again, it, I think it's sort of losing something tells us something about our hearts. And sometimes, oddly enough, we ourselves can be the thing that gets lost. Right? And we use that language all the time. We talk about I'm lost or, or sort of say someone seems to have lost their way when so your life feels like it's gone a little bit off track or um, when you're not sure of what to do next, right? And it's, this isn't just something that one stage in life experiences. This is, I think, I can remember back from, from my various early days, right? Whether you're as a teen and you're wrestling with stuff as to what I should be doing with school um, or as an adult when it comes to what should I be doing about a job or um, I've just lost a job um, or whether there's something going wrong in, in my marriage or in a friendship or in a relationship, right? We can all have that experience of feeling lost. Right? And I think it's, it's a feeling, right? I w when I was thinking about how I feel when I feel lost, I'd say I feel confused. I kind of have that question of, well, how did I end up where I am? Um, I feel uncertain about, well, where should I be going from here? And also fearful about the future, unsure um, whether this is all going to work out. And often when I feel lost, I feel alone. And this is actually one of the ways that scripture uses to talk about our human condition. The phrase sort of the lost is used to talk about us as human beings, to talk about um, us as we have wandered away from God, whether that means ig having ignored him or whether it means doing stuff that we know isn't right or whether it um, is not feeling a need for God at all in our lives. And I think that this is a universal experience. The Bible suggests that everyone has wandered in their lives at one point. But the Bible also helps us understand God's plan for the found, to get found. Um, and I think that this is the story that Miali read about the lost sheep is sort of talking about this whole idea. And it's actually one of three stories back to back that deal with the idea of something. So the first story that, that we just heard is the story of the lost sheep, but there's also the story of the lost coin, and then the story of the lost or prodigal son. And I think if you haven't read all three of these stories together, um, I'd encourage you to, to take some time, whether it's today or later on in the week, to go back and read all three of these stories together. Hey, Stephen. Um, because I think that reading these stories together um, shows something about their similarities and about what Jesus is trying to say. And he's telling these stories in response to, the, to a particular group of people who are challenging him. And they were challenging him um, because he was hanging out with a bunch of people who everybody knew were not the right sort of people. These were a bunch of people who everybody knew had wandered far away from God and everybody knew were disreputable and really were beyond saving. And Jesus is telling this story um, to, to help answer why is he doing that. And I think what's interesting is Jesus doesn't, um, when, when he's talking, 
always give direct answers. He often uses these stories or parables that we've been going through this summer to help explain his mission, what he's doing, what's going on. Um, and I think that the reason why he tells stories is because they're powerful, right? They help give us a picture that we can enter into and they give us something that we can actually imagine, right? Like I think about it and I go, a powerful story gives me the opportunity to pretend I'm one of the characters in the story. It gives me the opportunity to actually become a part of the story and picture like I'm entered in. And uh, I was wondering, kids, I was wondering if any of you have stories where you experience that, where you feel like you can become a part of the story. Can you, can you guys shout out any stories that really help you feel like you can imagine being a part of it? Are there any? Which one? Okay. Well, for me, if I were to say, the, the story, like when I was a kid, that I always remember doing this for me, was the stories about Encyclopedia Brown. And for those of you who don't know these stories, um, they're a series of detective stories. And what happens is that when the story ends, there isn't a resolution. And so you actually need to sort of become the detective, to become Encyclopedia Brown, and figure it out yourself. And I think that that's sort of what, when Jesus is telling this story, he's inviting his audience to do. He's inviting his audience to enter into the story and to try to figure out where they would find themselves. Um, and I think when Jesus talked about the shepherd and the lost sheep, let's call him Larry, um, I think the reason why he talked about them is because everybody in his audience would have known a shepherd or would have at least seen a shepherd. Right? Just like I'd say, almost all of us have been to a doctor's office um, and seen a little bit about what a doctor does. So if I was reading a story about a doctor, I could kind of imagine it a little bit. And so he's calling the audience to enter in and picture the shepherds with their sheep wandering through the hills, looking for good places for the sheep to find food. And the audience would know that that process of sort of going up and down the rocky hills would be a process that um, is likely for Larry to end up getting lost, right? Because it's very easy for Larry not to make it over one of the hills or to get his foot trapped in something. And so it's easy for a sheep to get lost and the audience could picture that. And remember that the audience that Jesus was talking to, I think really is made up of two groups. The one group, is the group who'd been called, who'd been coming near to listen to him, the, the group that I would say, um, many of the people would have said, yeah, those are the ones that are lost, they're, they're beyond God's help. And then the other part of the audience was the group who would say, I think that uh, I'm righteous, I think I know I've got it all together, and I think sort of I'm a part of God's family. And the point of this story that Jesus is telling is to help the audience understand why Jesus was spending time with the people who, who the audience would said were lost. And I think that the big idea is that how Jesus reacts to the lost tells us how much they matter to him, right? And at the beginning of this story, um, the story sets up this idea that the one sheep is lost and there's the 99 sheep that remain in the flock. And it sets up a contrast between these two groups. Um, and it, the goal is to emphasize that that one lost sheep, Larry, is incredibly precious. 
And, and Jesus tells the story in such a way to say, well, of course, this would make sense to you. Why wouldn't the shepherd go after that one sheep? And of course, you kind of go, okay, well, that makes sense. For a shepherd, this is his livelihood. This is how he earns his money, and his sheep are also his retirement plan, right? They're his investments. So each and every sheep makes money from their wool every year, but each sheep is something that could be sold. So they're actually quite valuable, right? Like I look at it and I would say, I was trying to do some math and and I'm not very good at figuring it out, but I'd say the sheep is producing um, or is worth as much as um, a new iPad every single year of the shepherd's life, right? So this sheep, losing this sheep is not losing a sock. This is like losing that watch that I lost. And so, of course, a shepherd would panic, right? Because of this loss of money, this loss of security, and would go after the sheep. Um, And again, I think, why is Jesus saying this? He's saying that it's not sort of most sheep that are valuable. It's not just the 99 that are valuable, but each and every one. Even that one little one that's straggling behind is valuable. Um, and as I was going through, when I sort of this idea of the shepherd going after the lost sheep, oftentimes I, I, was, I was thinking about it, I realized I have a picture of a shepherd that probably doesn't look a lot like what uh, Jesus' audience's picture would be. Because for me, my picture of a shepherd comes from England when I used to go and visit as a kid. The shepherd would be sort of walking through these green hills and sort of nice grass. And so going looking for a lost sheep means basically wandering around a pasture close to your home. But that's not at all what the shepherds would have been doing if they were going after a lost sheep in Jesus's time, right? Um, This is actually hard work and it's dangerous. To go after a sheep, the, the area Jesus is preaching in is full of rocky hip mountains. So this probably means that the shepherd's going up and down sort of these fairly steep valley sides, sort of a thousand plus feet up and down. And the shepherds weren't wearing nice comfy hiking boots with solid ankle support. They're going up and down these rocky cliffs wearing sandals, right? And they're not uh, sort of doing this along paths. They're walking through bushes and brambles and getting all scratched up. And they're doing it in 25 to 30 degree heat, wearing woolen clothing, not nice, quick, dry, high-tech clothes that we have today. Um, So this is not comfortable. And to make it worse, as a shepherd, you don't know, am I going to find this sheep in an hour? Am I gonna find it today? Or am I gonna have to be looking for several days? So this could be a long and painful process. And it could also be a risky process because of course, leaving the 99 sheep behind potentially leaves those sheep at risk. And even worse, during Jesus's time, this area he was in had lots of armed robbers. So wandering off on your own through these mountains runs an actual risk of being attacked and potentially even losing your life, right? So is it any surprise that being a shepherd probably wasn't the top of most people's career list? Probably not. So why would a shepherd do this? Why would a shepherd keep going after his sheep? Again, because they're so, because the sheep is so valuable. And kids, as we're going through this and Jesus is telling this story about the shepherd, who does Jesus think is the shepherd. Who is the shepherd? 
Jesus, that's right, yes. Right? This story is not a story about a shepherd recklessly pursuing the sheep, but this is a story to try to help us understand how recklessly and relentlessly Jesus pursues even one lost person who's wandered far from God, right? Again, as a shepherd, Jesus is saying, even one lost person is worth me risking my life and to go far from home for me to find. Um, and I think, again, what's nice about the, the, the Gospels, right, the, the parts of the Bible that tell the life, Jesus' life, is that they don't just contain these stories, but they also contain what Jesus did. Um, and, and I think, um, I think that, that what's neat about this is this isn't a story where Jesus is saying to everyone in the audience, now you need to go after the lost sheep. You need to do this, and I'm just going to sit back and, and teach about it. What Jesus instead is doing is he's helping people understand his, what he's already doing, right? This parable is an answer and an explanation for what he's already started to do. He's going out and, and again, seeking out widows. He's seeking out the sick. He's seeking out tax collectors, sinners, all of those people that most, of the pe most people would say were lost, and he's going out to, to find them, and he's saying, this is because they're so valuable to me, right? And of course, as the shepherd does, he doesn't send someone else, he goes himself. And, and again, when Miali ended her reading, she, she ended with uh, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 10, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I think that this is, again, such a powerful picture of who Jesus is. Um, Jesus came from heaven, from the highest heights, to earth, um, and he went as far as needed to save the people who were lost. Um, and I think that this is also part of the reason why the cross is a symbol of our Christianity, right? It's this symbol that answers the question, just how far is God, through Jesus, willing to go to save the lost, right? How much did these people matter to him? Jesus answers that by saying, I'm willing not only to come to earth and spend time with these people, but I'm willing to go to the utmost lengths. I'm willing to go to my death on a cross to save the lost. So each and every person is valuable to Jesus, just like each sheep is valuable to the shepherd. And, and again, this is something that, that is, resonates for me in my life. Um, uh, if, you have, if I haven't had the pleasure of getting to know you net, yet, one of the things that you may not know is I actually grew up in a family that didn't believe in Jesus. So for most of my life, I had no relationship with God. And um, I think if you were to look at my life, you would say, most people would say, I'd had a successful life. I'd had a great education. I was financially stable. Um, I had a good career and great future prospects. Um, family who loved me, friends. Um, and yet, um, about six years ago, um, I had this experience where, where I ended up in this place where I felt incredibly lost. Um, I felt like I was confused. I felt alone. Um, and I was afraid that there's no way out from the position I was in. 
And, and again, that led to a chain of events that, uh, again, I can tell you more about later. But these events led me to Jesus. And, and as I went through that, what was so neat is, is sort of after having come to this relationship with Jesus, I realized that it hadn't been me going after him and sort of doing all my analysis and figuring out, okay, does Jesus exist and sort of should I have a relationship? But my experience in my life was actually a story of him chasing after me. And I looked back and there were all of these events that I could see in my life at different points where I could see him having come close to me and having, having chased after me. Right? There was this sort of random event where I got invited to a God debate and I, and I went. Um, there's a friend who, who I got to know who was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ when I was in university. There's somebody else who I spent lots of time with and got to know his family um, who actually has ended up becoming a pastor. All of these events and so many more, as I look back on them, were Jesus relentlessly pursuing me. And in the book of Revelation, um, there's this uh, sentence that Jesus says. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I think that sort of my realization is, um, in my life, Jesus continued to knock. He didn't sort of give up after the first little while, but he kept knocking and did whatever it takes to bring me close to him. And I think what's amazing is that experience is not just my experience, but I think this story tells Jesus' heart for each and every one of you and each and every person in your lives, right? Um, there, it's not just you and me, but every person that Jesus won't give up on and won't stop going after. There's no distance he won't go. There's no amount of time that he won't wait patiently until they answer, right? For Jesus, there's no lost cause. Um, there's, again, and this was Jesus' very point when he's talking about the people who he'd been hanging out with. He's saying that each and every one of these people, I will pursue until the very end. There's no one here who isn't worth my time. And so, um, as I was sort of reading through this parable, this hit home for me because there are certainly people in my life um, that I look at and I'd say, Okay, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know how Jesus is going to to get them to respond. I don't know how Jesus is going to find them. But I think this story is a comfort to me to say Jesus is continuing to to chase after them. Jesus is not giving up on them. And I think what's interesting is this story doesn't just end with a relentless pursuit and then sort of the finding of the lost sheep but it ends with rejoicing. And I think the heart of the shepherd and the heart of Jesus is found not only in this relentless pursuit, but it's found in the celebration afterwards, right? There's this striking line at the end of this uh, parable. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And I think that this is incredible, right? Each time somebody acknowledges that they're lost, each time someone says, yeah, I, I'm broken and I need, I need your help, Jesus, um, and, and again, I need God in my life, 
there's a massive party, right? This isn't just a couple of guys who come up and say, oh, good job, well done, right? <laughs> this, is, this is an acknowledgement that all of heaven celebrates. Um, and I was, I was listening to, to a sermon and they were talking about the book of Revelation and talking about this idea that heaven is full of angels beyond number. And, and again, in heaven, the number it uses is 10,000 times 10,000, 100 million angels. So picture when it says all of heaven is celebrating, picture 2,000 sky domes full of angels all going wild, celebrating each time any one of us comes home to God. I, that just sort of hits home for me, this incredible picture of his love in his incredible over-the-top celebration. Um, so as Vijay's been going through this series, I think one of the things that he said again and again is that we need to look for ourselves in the story. And I would submit to you um, that we are a part of either one or both of two groups in the story. There is the one lost sheep who needs a shepherd, and I'd say there's also the 99 who would say, we've been found. So I would submit to you that either you are the one or you are the 99. You are the one. Do you feel lost, like you're wandering in the wilderness? Do you feel like you need to be rescued out of a situation you're in? Do you need a reminder of how great God's love is for you? This is really the heart of the story. The lost who are gathering around Jesus are gathering around him because they know. They need help. They need Jesus. Um, they need someone to rescue them. They need his love. And this is, again, this, this story is not a story about the sheep catching up to the rest of the herd. This is not a story um, about these lost supposedly being righteous, getting themselves to be right with God, and then having God love them. No, that's out. Again, this is, this is not a story to say, we need to get found. This is a story to say, Jesus will find us. And it tells us, again, God sent his only son to pursue you, right? God's son was willing to give up absolutely everything um, to find me and to find you while we were lost. Um, and I think if we're found, I think this story is also a powerful reminder to us um, that, again, that we're this important to God. Um, again, through his actions, through, through Christ's death on the cross, um, it shows to each and every one of us our immense value to God. So I'd say, all of us, we are the one. But also, we are the 99. Does your heart long after what God's does? Are you being invited to join in the search and in the celebration? Is there someone in your life who seems lost, right? Again, this story is certainly personal, and it speaks to each of us to say how much Jesus loves you and how far he went to find you. But for the 99, there's also an invitation and a reminder of his heart for others, right? He's searching not just for those who have already been found, but for those who are still lost. So if you would say yes 
unfound. Um, again, do you care about the lost in the same way as Jesus? Do you celebrate with the same joy as heaven? And I think, again, this idea that we as the church are the body of Christ is an invitation for us to actually embody, to live out, to participate with his heart, to, to go forth and seek the lost and love the lost the same way he does. Um, again, but, but there's also and I, I was talking about this before, I've had that experience where there are people in our lives who you say, I've, I've done everything I feel like I can. I've, I've been praying for them. I've been talking uh, to them about, about Christ in my life. Again, I don't know what else to do, and they still seem as lost forever. And, and maybe this has been something that's been going on for years, and you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I think that this story is a reminder to us, if you're in that situation, um, that while we may feel ready to give up, he doesn't. He's not someone who gives up on anyone. And so, um, in those situations, I think, I think we can respond by calling out to him. Um, we can call out because we know who he is. We know he's the good shepherd. He's the one who will go as far as it takes to find each and every lost person. Um, and this isn't easy, at least not for me. I'm someone who likes to do things. Um, and, and so this is, sometimes it's tough to have that reminder that the next action isn't always mine. Um, but that instead, that we need to rely on Christ, that we can rely on his relentless love. And because of that, we can turn to him and pray and ask him to act on our behalf. So um, if you would say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm the one. And, and, uh, and again, you'd say, I, I, I feel lost. Um, you can turn to him and pray and ask him on your own behalf. Um, the, the, and again, this is something I think we all need to do. Um, we all need him to remind us of his love for us. Um, we all at times feel a little lost. So what I wanted us to do as a, as a congregation is, is to pray a little prayer of response if we'd say, yeah, I'm the one. So let's all um, pray out loud together. Uh, we'll just put it up on the screen. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you that in your stories and through your life, you show us that we're infinitely precious to you and that you go to any lengths, even death, to rescue us. At times, I forget and feel lost. Good shepherd, remind me of your love and return me to your father. Um, but I think, again, if we are a part of the 99, and I'd say who among us truly has God's heart for the lost, I've also written a short prayer of response. And if there was someone who, as we were going through this, came to your mind, who you'd say, yeah, this person's a little lost, um, they're in need of a savior, um, there's a blank in this prayer. You can fill in their name out loud or in your head. And as the worship team comes up to lead us in response, I'd just like to pray this prayer um, as the 99, um, trusting in God's power and ability to respond. Lord Jesus, I don't fully understand how far you're willing to go to save the lost. Fill my heart with your love for them. I ask that you bring these people home to your Father 
because nothing, neither how long nor how far they have wandered, it is an obstacle. There's no help for you to rescue them. Amen. As I was uh, thinking about uh, my blessing for you today, I was just, um, I guess my prayer for each and every one of you is just this incredible experience of an understanding of God's love for each and every one of you, um, shown in the, the shepherd that pursues us relentlessly and this incredible celebration in heaven over in each and every one of us. Will you receive that? Amen. 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 You can